This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. people, I'm Dave Rubin, and via your computer, we are live on the internet, whatever that is. This is the Rubin Report, and it is Friday, which means it's time for another Friday roundtable extravaganza. We've got a Florida bonanza for you. Joining me is the senior editor at Newsweek and host of The Josh Hammer Show, Josh Hammer, and New York Post and Fox News columnist, Carol Markowitz. Josh Carroll, my Florida friends, welcome back to the Rubin Report. Great to see you. Dave, it's always a career risk joining you, but I'm happy to risk it for you. <laughs> Let's see if we can blow up both of your careers today. Actually, before we start, since this is a, a Florida power hour, and everyone knows Carol and I moved basically, I think, within two days of each other. She fled New York, I fled crazy LA. Uh, Josh, you were in Florida just a bit before us. But because we're going to talk a bit about Florida and obviously the election and Newsom and all of the craziness and impeachment, blah, 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 I think it would be nice to start with just saying something true about Florida, since everyone's always lying about Florida. Carol, what is true about Florida? I say gay every single day in Florida. <laughs> Usually, you know, when I'm talking to you, whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, it's amazing here. You know, one of the things that I've been thinking about recently is that uh, Florida, Governor DeSantis passed this amazing school vouchers bill. Um, every Floridian parent has $8,000 to take their kid out of their local public school. And how many Floridians are not doing it because the public schools are legitimately good? And because Ron DeSantis is the governor, they have so much faith in what their kid won't be learning in the schools. They know the kid's not going to be subjected to gender ideology or inappropriate sexual topics. And they trust the public schools because of Governor Ron DeSantis. It's kind of fascinating. It's like America, but not completely insane. Very weird. Josh, say something true about the free state of Florida. Dave, I, I've lived in like eight or nine different cities. I moved to Florida most immediately from Denver, Colorado. I was in Texas for four years before that, Chicago before that. I mean, I could, I could go on and on and on. Florida is the best place I've ever lived, and it's not even close. I mean, I, I pray that I will never have to leave. I, I want to die a Floridian. I mean, I mean, I have every intention of doing that unless something inexplicable happens. I mean, life here is just really, really good. And, you know, I don't necessarily say that to impugn any other states, again, many of which I have lived in. I happen to like living in Texas a lot. But, I mean, day-to-day -day life here is just wonderful. I mean, like the weather, the, the, the tax burden. I mean, life rocks. I mean, Florida rocks. I mean, I, I, you're, you're probably the last person, Dave, in the entire universe that I have to say that to. You are the definitional Florida man, at least now in the year 2023. But it's really, really good. And obviously, it's been disheartening to see these woefully disingenuous hack attacks on the state of Florida over the past year or so. You know, up until the really up until like March or April of this year, I thought everyone on the right loved Florida. I mean, like this was the model. And then, you know, something changes, but really on the ground here, Dave, nothing has changed. It's the exact same amazing Florida that it was one year ago, two years ago. And God bless, you know, me, you and Carol are all reaping the, be the benefits of it. 
Well, that's really why I wanted to have you guys on the show this week, and you gave me a great segue, Josh, to everything that we're doing today. So we're gonna talk a bit about Newsom, who clearly they are just, they're ramping it up. They're ramping it up, and it looks like somehow he's gonna sneak his way in. We're gonna talk about this, this really crazy Trump Megyn Kelly interview and, and major, major kudos to my friend Megyn Kelly on that, who just did a really wonderful job. And then we'll talk a little bit about the Biden impeachment inquiry and if any of this is gonna make any sense because obviously it's not, he's not going to actually be impeached, but does just shining some light on this stuff actually accomplish anything? So let's start though with truly, truly the man that I despise most on planet Earth. I believe him to be a lizard person, not a human being. And yes, you all know I'm talking about Gavin Newsom. Uh, here he is uh, being asked whether Biden is going to run again. The fact that they bring him in to ask him this question already gives you the answer. President Biden doesn't run, why shouldn't we consider you a likely candidate? Well, I think the vice president is naturally one lined up and the filing deadlines are quickly coming to pass. And I think we need to move past this notion that he's not going to run. President Biden is going to run uh, and looking forward to getting him reelected. Uh, I think there's been so much wallowing uh, in the last few months and hammering in this respect, uh, but we're gearing up for the campaign. We're looking forward to it. I, I under, you know, but. You hear these calls privately. What do you tell these donors who are wallowing in this? Uh, time to move on. Let's go. And am I supposed to interpret that comment about the vice president, that if for some reason the president chose not to run at this point, well, that's the next, everybody that, rallies around the, her? It's the Biden-Harris administration. That's a, maybe a more old-fashioned. Carol, the fact that he is so emphatically saying that Biden is going to run and that, you know, in essence, Kamala will be the VP and everything else, to me, that is the absolute proof that that is not what's going to happen. <laughs> I, I do not believe a word this man says. The thing is, I get it. He's a liar in so many different ways, but he is clearly coached to say this. Like somebody called him and was like, stop challenging Republican presidential candidates to debates. You're not the nominee. Get off the stage. Because I think it will be Biden and Kamala. And if it's not Biden, it is Kamala. There's no way the Democrats move a black woman off the stage. Absolutely not going to happen. Could it be Kamala Newsom? Maybe. Um, but it, it, I have placed many bets that it will not be Gavin Newsom. Um, I, you know, the thing is, is incumbents are really hard to beat, even if they are 150 years old. Um, I think that you know part of the conversation around Trump's poll numbers, for example, is that he wants to be perceived as a, an incumbent. He's like, I was president. I deserve this second shot at, at, at this nomination. Um, but the truth is that he does not have Joe Biden's numbers. In fact, you know, to paraphrase an old Chris Rock joke, if Joe Biden woke up with Donald Trump's numbers, he'd throw himself out the window. <laughs> The, the numbers are, for Joe Biden, fairly strong, and I just do not see them removing him, and I definitely don't see them removing Kamala Harris. So, Josh, I, I personally feel, look, I just put nothing past the Democrats. That's the thing. Like, I, Carol, you're probably not wrong, right? Like, conventionally, like, they, are they going to really get rid of him? But the thing is, he could just break a hip or, or whatever else might happen. No. But, Josh, I, to me... It's like, I just don't put anything past these people, including figuring out a way to push out the first black female VP. Like, I just think they are that twisted. 
So the Washington Post, to your point, Dave, did run a piece, I think it was earlier this week, might have been last week, just pointing out the myriad ways in which Kamala Harris is about as popular with the American people as venereal disease. I mean, she is just woefully unpopular. And, and, you know, and Joe Biden is not particularly popular himself. Kamala is even less popular than he is. Look, I mean, I have no doubt that a lot of regime-approved media types, the Washington Post, CNN, the New York Times, a lot of kind of Democratic Party ruling class. Michelle Goldberg has written numerous Biden skeptical columns at the New York Times. David Ignatius at the Washington Post just this week had had an explicit call saying Biden, you know, get off the ticket, do not run for re-election here. But to, to Carol's point, you know, the infrastructure has already gotten in place. I mean, the campaign—it's—it's it's fairly bare bones at this point. It's definitely something of a basement campaign, but they had this big ad that went out, this economics ad that that launched, I guess, was last Thursday on the night of the NFL season opener. So the, the mechanics are in place. Now, having said that, I think that there are two possible ways that Biden could actually get off the ticket. One is, as you alluded to, Dave, you know, I, I, he's hospitalized and or he dies. I mean, the fact is, this man is, is into his 80s. His health is horrible. We have no idea what could possibly happen. And no mm -hmm. one is wishing for that outcome, obviously. But it, it, it definitely is something that has to be contemplated. The second possibility, it's his twist on the, on the on the Hunter Biden indictment that literally just dropped yesterday. Because, you know, you and I both know that, that Hunter's not going to jail. I mean, there's no way. I mean, I mean, I mean, these three counts amount to a maximum of 25 years in prison. But what if Joe Biden actually has to pardon his son to make sure that no plea agreement gets thrown out anymore, that he actually will, you know, avoid an escape jail time? And at that point, does he have to, like, not run for re-election because the optics of that are just so venal, so nepotism, so bad? Maybe, maybe not. But those are really kind of the only possibilities that I see. I agree with Carol that Gavin Newsom is probably just gearing up for 2028 in all likelihood. All right, we'll get more to, the, to the, the Biden, the Hunter and Joe stuff in just a sec. But Carol, do you think it changes the equation? Let's say DeSantis really took off and it wasn't Trump. Like partly it seems to me that the Democrats calculation is, oh, it's going to be Trump. We right. beat him once, we beat him again. We'll just repeat the freaking thing. But if it was DeSantis, now he's yeah. much younger. Like it fully, to put them both on a stage together, the juxtaposition of that would be so crazy. It would be so obvious that then they would have a bigger problem. Right, but again, the time is running out. So when the first contests begin in January, it's going to be, you know, uh, Biden's name on the ticket. I, I just, I cannot see how, okay, let's say, you know, again, God forbid, Biden dies tomorrow, Kamala becomes president. Um, I, I think that she is the nominee. There's just no other way. I, again, I don't know how they have a nomination process and come up with anybody other than Kamala in the short amount of time that is left. I, it's a, I think it's very difficult for another Republican to jump in right now. There's always a conversation, you know, about Glenn Youngkin getting in, but it's, it's September. I think it's getting way too late and I just don't see how the Democrats pull it off to get rid of Biden and Kamala. I apologize in advance, but I'm showing you all one more clip of Gavin Newsom. Go. But I worry about democracy. I worry about the fetishness for autocracy that we're seeing, not just from Trump, uh, but around the world and notably across this country. Uh, I've made the point about DeSantis that I think he's functionally authoritarian. Josh, it's, it's just incredible. The guy who locked down more than anybody, who was for the mandates, a million people have fled his state, high taxes, high regulation. He's the very definition of authoritarian, but it's DeSantis. Yeah, right. I, I mean, it's Orwellian stuff, obviously, right? I mean, no state was freer during the pandemic than COVID-19, or excuse me, no, no, no state was freer during COVID-19 than the free state of Florida. 
Gavin Newsom knows this. Andrew Cuomo knows this. Donald Trump, for that matter, knows this. All these people that have been lying nonstop about Ron yep. DeSantis' record during COVID in Florida, they know better. Donald Trump, of all people, really should know better because he literally moved here during COVID, in part because of tax reasons, but he chose to make this his home. So everyone has been lying up and down about Ron DeSantis' record during COVID. But more generally speaking, Dave, I think kind of the point that Gavin's really getting at here is, if I had to guess, it's probably less about COVID. It's probably more about critical race theory and New College of Florida and some of this kind of anti-woke culture war stuff. Here is the kind of the point that I would make on that. Every time the left does anything whatsoever to try to implement its ideology into practice, whether it is cronious contracts to contractors, to NGOs with the DEI bureaucracies on the campuses, the corporate boardroom indoctrination, all of it. Anytime they do any of that, everyone just shrugs their shoulders and says, eh, that's kind of just the way it is. When the right dares to lift a yeah. single finger to push back in the other direction and New College of Florida, what's happening there is a great example of it. You know, it, it's autocratic, it's fascist, it's Putin, it's Orban, it's Kim Jong-un, it's all this stuff. I mean, what utter nonsense here. I mean, these people are raging, scathing hypocrites here, and we should not be afraid to call them out on it. Carol, Gavin Newsom is about to sign a bill that would literally allow the state to take a child away from their parents if the parents do not affirm, and by affirm they mean not affirm, the child's gender, and yet he's calling DeSantis authoritarian. Yeah, I mean, that's what authoritarians do, right? I think that people like him often point the finger at others to say, look, look over there, it's actually him. Um, a school board in California decided to pull a book from its curriculum and uh, because they didn't think it was appropriate for children. It was about Harvey Milk, but it also had um, some... Uh, mentions of him having an underage a relationship with somebody underage. I mean, it was just inappropriate for children, whatever you think of, you know, Harvey Milk. Mm -hmm. um, and Gavin Newsom sent, made sure that he overrode that school board and sent a copy of that book to every household in that district. I mean, to me, nothing is more authoritarian than forcing people to, to follow the, the things that you want them to believe and to make sure that your ideology is the one put in front of parents. I think it's wild that this goes on. Um, and it, to me, the woke culture that we're experiencing has totalitarian roots. You know, I was born in the Soviet Union. I talk about that a lot, but I, I, I see the same similarities here where people like Gavin Newsom make you walk the line and make you say the words in the exact right way with the exact, you know, right words um, in order to fit in and belong. Otherwise, you're an authoritarian like Gavin, uh, like uh, Ron DeSantis. Right, and by the way, on the book front, uh, you guys probably saw it, but the Senate had a hearing on, on book bans, and John oh. Kennedy from Louisiana read one of the books, and it's all about anal sex and oral <laughs> sex and lube and all this stuff, and you could not play that press conference, you wouldn't be able to play that hearing on Fox or on NBC or anywhere else, but somehow they want third graders to see it. But speaking of kids and these weird gender things, uh, let's flip over to Megyn Kelly's interview with Donald Trump. There's a bunch of clips that are going viral right now, although oddly the Trump surrogates aren't sharing any of them, makes you wonder. Uh, but first here, uh, Megyn, I think this is a fairly softball question. Uh, what's a male and a female? What's a boy and a girl? Do you have any idea? Can a man become a woman? Um, <laughs> in my opinion, you have a man, you have a woman. I, 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 think, I think part of it is birth. Can the man give birth? No, no, although they'll come up with some Josh, can a man become a woman? No. 
I'm not sure how many times you want me to answer that, David. I'm happy to say it a million times for your audience. The answer oh. there is no. Hold on. Carol, can a man become a woman? No, and giving birth has absolutely nothing to do with it. Women who can't give birth are still women. All right, Josh, the fact that he paused like that, that, uh, and he had to think about it, and then, and then yeah, connected to birth, giving birth, which as Carol points out, that's actually sort of irrelevant. What is going on here? I mean, I thought this was the guy that was gonna destroy the woke. Yeah, that awkward pause and the kind of that half giggle, you very rarely see Donald Trump kind of equivocate like that. I mean, say what you will about the man, but he's generally very sure in his convictions, or at least he's typically sure about the words that come out of his mouth at any given moment. But he was terribly unsure of himself there. And, you know, thinking back, I mean, back when Donald Trump ran the Miss Universe pageant back in Atlantic City, New Jersey, I mean, he had transgender contestants right then and there. I mean, I mean he has... Yeah, he, he's been very friendly in the past with Caitlyn Jenner. I mean, he, I, I kind of wonder if maybe that's what was going on there, if he didn't want to offend Caitlyn Jenner. I'm not entirely sure, to be honest with you there, but this is not a particularly difficult question to put it mildly, and I would actually go substantially further than that. Dave, I would say that a Republican candidate running for president of the United States, running for anything, Congress, Senate, running for dog catcher, it doesn't matter. If you are calling yourself a Republican in the year 2023, and you cannot definitively say that there are two sexes, there are two genders, there is male and there is female, go home. Get out of politics. I mean, like, what are you doing here? So I, to me, that answer, or lack thereof, I should say, is actually singularly disqualifying, properly construed. Carol, what do you make of the way that no matter what he does related to questions like this, and we'll do a couple other videos on this, that the base, which, which hates the woke stuff, when he does this, they just basically say, ah, we don't care. It's wild to me because I think that is such a layup. I, I think Megyn Kelly is already getting, you know, comments on Twitter for, for her unfair questions. I'm sorry, can a man become a woman is a yeah. fair, fair question. It's a gotcha. It's a gotcha. Right. right. She really got him on that. Um, I was shocked that he couldn't answer that really quickly. And, you know, I also grew up in New York. I also had trans friends. It doesn't change reality. Like, it's one thing to mm -hmm. say, like, oh, I'll call somebody whatever pronoun they want. It's another thing to say that a man can become a woman. And that he simply cannot like it just it's fact and reality it's it, this is not an opinion question um so the fact that trump stammered on something so easy it really you know begs the question like how much more uh can be uncovered about his beliefs if people ask him you know deeper questions i think he gets a lot of questions on things like january 6th i'd love to know more about his personal ideology does he have some and what does he really believe and where does he think the country should go outside of not prosecuting tr donald trump what else does he want to see happen in the next few years it's also bizarre because he could have just said what we all know to be true, which you're both pointing out, which is no, a man can't become a woman. That could be the easy thing right off the top. And then he could say, but you should treat people with respect sure. and I'm say friends with Caitlyn Jenner and I believe an adult can live as a, however they see fit. There's so many ways to do this that would have made sense, but that stammering nothingness and the birth thing. But let's continue because th this next one, this was not the sexiest thing to come out of the interview, but I have a feeling this one had Trump's lawyers just ripping the hair out of their head because Megan asked him about, this is related to the federal case that Jack Smith is bringing, Megan asked him about did he potentially wave around a classified document to some people that did not have clearance on that and, and listen to this. I did absolutely nothing wrong. Okay, but let's get to my question. Why would you be holding up a newspaper saying this is still secret? 
I'd have to I look at it. I could declassify it if I were look, president. I would have not. to look at it. But that's what well, you told I could Brett have Baer. You told Brett Baer that that was a newspaper I could have or declassified. Magazine. No, I also told Brett Baer, as I remember, I don't know, it was a long time interview. Will you tell uh, me what were you I waving told, around I also that told Brett Baer that it wasn't a classified document. What were you waving around in that meeting? Because it certainly sounds like I'm not like going to talk to you about moment. that because uh, that's already been, I think, very substantiated, and there's no problem with it. It hasn't been substantiated. Jack Smith says Megan, it was let the me just tell you. Let me and you just told Brett Barrett Let me tell you. Here we go again. I'm covered by the Presidential Records Act. I'm allowed to do what I want to do. I'm allowed to have documents. The Presidential Records Act is civil, not criminal. That's true. In any way, it's that's civil. True. And I'm covered by it 100%. Can I ask you what you And this mean shouldn't by that? even be a case. Now, no, and I, it I'm should not, be I'm a not case. trying to come at you criminally. Of course, I'm trying to of say. Of course you are. But listen, no, no, I it should off be a case. Megan, let me just it's not about the criminal. This should be a case for Biden, because he is not covered by the Presidential Records Act. All right, first off, I just want to say, as I've said a million times on this show, I think that all of these cases going after him are purely politicized, and we only do it to one side and all of that stuff. But in essence, he's on audio saying, I'm not supposed to show you this. Then he kind of claimed it was a newspaper, but apparently it was these Iran attack plans and whether he's allowed to declassify them or not or show them to people or not, it just seems to me in the midst of all of this, you kind of, Josh, as a lawyer, you kind of don't go on an interview and, and just not be prepared to answer that honestly? Dave, or or talk really about it at all, I suppose? Right. Right. I, I, I remember earlier this summer when that first Jack Smith indictment pertaining to the Mar-a-Lago classified documents, when that came out, I was reading through the fact pattern like we all were. And when we got to this particular anecdote that Megan's asking him about here, which happened at his Bedminster, New Jersey golf club, and he's literally allegedly kind of waving around these secretive Pentagon kind of contingency invade Iran, bomb Iran plans. I mean, my very first thought was like, is this Peter Griffin and Family Guy? I, 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 I mean, <laughs> well, like, he like, says, like, doesn't he say almost verbatim? He says, I'm not supposed to show these to you. That right. might be the exact quote. Right. And to Megan's point, and, and again, to Carol's point, none of this is unfair. These are extraordinarily legitimate questions for her, for her to ask. Even if you unclassified it, even if the Presidential Records Act, the civil statute, not the criminal statute applies, which is a legally debatable proposition, I think you might be right, but it doesn't really matter because even if all of that is legally correct, why? Why still do it? Like, why do you have these documents in the first place? I mean, none of this ultimately makes sense there. And also, you know, from a criminal defense perspective here, I mean, how his lawyers have not gotten him to shut up and stop talking about this in front of the cameras is absolutely mind-blowing. And it also shows why many kind of top-tier lawyers, frankly, criminal defense lawyers, want absolutely nothing to do with Donald Trump as their client, because he is probably one of the most horrible clients to manage ever. I mean, no one's going to get near him. Carol, let's try to give the devil a zoo here. I mean, he he does he hasn't ended up in jail yet. He usually beats the raps. He beats impeachments. Like, does he maybe just know something about all this, how the game is played that we don't know? Well, it's kind of early to say he beats, um, you know, these raps. Um, I think a lot of it is ridiculous. I think we all agree on that. I, and, and none of these really should be indictments. But the fact that they potentially have him on audio saying, like, you shouldn't see this, but here it is, 
um, is a problem. And because we could all kind of imagine Trump actually doing that, I think in his head, he has a you're for me or against me kind of way of thinking. Um, and we see this among his supporters. Also, you have to be all in or all out. You, you can't kind of be nuanced on Donald Trump. And that's why I think he ends up getting so mad at Megyn Kelly, because in his head, he was going into a friendlier interview because she does genuinely like him. You could tell that she does. Yeah. She's very warm about him. She, she said that, you know, months and months and months ago that he is unbeatable in the primary. Um, so She I, said I, it to me. The viral right. clip is her talking to me. Right, right. So, you know, I, I think that that's the that's what's so interesting here is and that's why he gets so angry and why he says, yes, you are coming at me criminally, which, you know, I'm not really sure what that means. But I think that he sees, you know, the, the liberal media as anti-Trump, but that Megan should have been for him. But you need to be able to answer basic questions. And I don't think anything should excuse that. Interestingly, to that point, my guys are telling me this right now, apparently Trump posted that very clip on his Truth Social. So he obviously doesn't think that there's any legal repercussions for what happened. Let, let's just do one more from the interview because again, Megan, I we're all in agreement. And I think anyone looking at this objectively, she was not trying to get him. She was asking basic questions. Uh, she asked him about Florida and COVID and DeSantis. Watch this. I wasn't, I was not a big fan of Fauci. If you look at Ron DeSanctimonious, he was, this guy said the greatest things. I can give you articles that well, Fauci's great. He's wonderful. We love him. We don't do anything without Fauci. This went on for months. But he didn't listen to Fauci. He did 100%. Look. He shut down Florida I will for a give month. you, he shut down Florida. For a month. Oh, he shut it down for a lot of long. He shut down the beaches. He shut down the roads. He shut down a hospital. He was shutting down everything. He also had long lines of people getting the jab, as he called it. Let's all go get the jab. The guy tried to change history in Florida. Now, eventually Florida was open, but... Guys, I, I just can't take the lying with it. The jab, as he called it, he's the one that calls it the jab. But but all of it's just like endless lies. Look, we could play you a million videos of Trump countering himself, but I want to play just 30 seconds because I've played it on my show many times before. So this is only 30 seconds of it. This is Trump re-election campaign ad, and you tell me who likes Fauci. The president has listened to what I have said and what the other people on the task force have said. The first and only time that I went in and said we should do mitigation strongly, the response was yes, we'll do it. And when he suggests, why don't we do this? And I say, no, that's really not a good idea from a scientific standpoint. He has never overruled. The first and only time that Dr. Burks and I went in and formally made a recommendation to the president to actually have a, quote, shutdown. The president listened to the recommendation and went to the mitigation. Look, that's only a portion of it, and everyone knows there are all of the videos of him being very proud of lockdowns and being upset with Brian Kemp in Georgia for opening and DeSantis for opening and everything else. Okay, fine, we all get it. Uh, Josh, is this, is this one, look, we're all Floridian, so is this one just like too close to home? Is that why it's enraging us so much? And do you think it translates like to other people or just they, they just don't care about the lies because they expect them? Well, I think the three of us are probably enraged by this because we're Floridians and we happen to like our governor a lot, but we're also enraged by this properly because these are lies and we should be enraged when people are lying to us and trying to make us question the very reality that we have lived with for the past few years. 
It's actually very similar, Dave, to the whole Bidenomics jig. So Biden and Harris, if they actually do end up being the ticket, they're, they're making Bidenomics the centerpiece of the reelection strategy. Bidenomics is terrible. Bidenomics was a recession last year, 40-year high inflation, you know, a horrific supply chain crisis, uh, uh, becoming a, a net energy importer again when Trump had us becoming an exporter. So the whole thing is upside down. That's exactly what Trump is doing right now when it comes to COVID. Donald Trump was the most vociferous pro-lockdown guy. He is still to this day not apologized iota for Operation Warp Speed for the vaccines for any of that. He is still doubling down on that. The messaging is, is frankly just all over the place. I mean, his his chaotic kind of frenzy press release in in late April earlier this year where, where he came out and said that Cuomo did a better job than DeSantis when it came to COVID. So, I mean, what does he actually believe? I mean, he's saying basically everything. I have no idea what he even purports to believe <laughs> about COVID-19 in the first place. But I do know one thing about COVID-19 in particular, which is that there was not a governor in America who was even close to Ron DeSantis when it came to handling it. And to your point, Dave, it's absolutely true. I remember vividly in April 2020 when Brian Kemp said he was going to make Georgia the first state to reopen. Donald Trump was furious at yep. Brian Kemp. And Kemp, to his credit, has now come out and, say, and, and saying as much. The only question relevant, I think, for Republican voters, Dave, is does the truth matter? Right, and we, we read that Kemp tweet on that because he was not happy uh, about it the other day. Actually, Carol, before I let you respond, DeSantis actually responded to Trump on Megyn Kelly. This is on Steve Dace's show on The Blaze. And, and he said, like, what was that? Was that the immaculate commendation that just happened to happen? It said Donald Trump awards Fauci this commendation. So I thought it was really pathetic to, to sit there and listen to that drivel. Um, it, is, it is totally false. And you know what? People in your business, and I know you've you've spoken out. There's a people in your business who have their own shows. They know all that's false too. Uh, we'll see how many of them are willing to step up to the plate and call a spade a spade. So what DeSantis is specifically recognizing there is Megan makes the point of saying to Trump's face, "You gave him a Medal of Freedom award on the way out," and Trump basically is like, "I don't know who gave it to him. I don't know how this happened. He did sign the award. It was literally the day before he went out." But Carol, I wanted to ask you about the last part there that DeSantis made a point on, which is that when he's saying people in your business need to call out the BS more, I'd like to think that, that the three of us are doing a decent job on that, but there is a whole lot of money to be made and clicks to be had and views to be gotten in just endlessly going with Trump no matter what. We all just kind of know that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I think that uh, that that clip, you know, the angry Ron DeSantis is my favorite Ron DeSantis. <laughs> and I, I like that he's getting pissed off because this guy is really questioning, I mean, not just the job that he did during COVID, but everything, right? And the thing is that I feel like Trump doesn't have people around him to say calling you know, DeSantis to Sanctimonious is like a terrible nickname and like you sound dumb when you say it. Um, and to say during an interview, like I, I just, I thought that was so lame. Um, and I, it is personal to me. Like I know it is to you both also. I moved here during COVID because of Ron DeSantis's leadership. Um, I remember all of it. I've written cover stories about, you know, Ron DeSantis. I've written cover stories about Andrew Cuomo. Um, I covered Florida like top to bottom. And the idea that Florida had remained locked down or any of that, it needs to be dispelled because truth matters, but also the history of COVID matters. It matters a lot to me that because it's not going to be the last pandemic probably that we all live through. And we can't make the same mistakes again. So we need to look at 
the bright spots like Florida and like Governor DeSantis's leadership and say, this is what we should do in the future and not what New York did, for example, killing, you know, 30,000 people and doing everything all wrong. I want to float a theory to you guys that I mentioned on the show this week, which is that we just don't know what it's like to have decent leaders anymore. So when a decent leader comes out, many of us can't deal with it. We're used to somebody that says, says crazy names and you know destroys people and lies about everything and gets all the viral clips. And we have the reverse of that with Ron DeSantis. I am henceforth calling this the Tim Duncan theory. Tim Duncan was a basketball player, late 90s into the 2000s, 15-time All-Star, five-time NBA champion, 10, 10 or 15-time All-NBA team. But nobody remembers him, nobody talks about him because he was so consistently good forever and there was no flash to it. He retired the same year as Kobe. Kobe's having parties, he just announced Tim just announces he's retiring one day. There's something to that, I think, related to the way the internet works, that when, when DeSantis just does the right thing, we're just like, oh, he did the right thing, so nobody says anything about it. Josh, what do you think of my Tim Duncan theory? I think it's a good theory. I mean, like, when is the last time that the United States has had a, a highly competent president? I, I mean, Reagan? I, I mean, you know, maybe Bill Clinton? I mean, the, I, I, at least for for a brief stint there in the mid to late 90s during kind of the, doc, the dot-com boom and all that. But it's been a very long time. It's been a very long time since American people have experienced a steady hand, kind of a, a national unifying vision as far as what as far as presidential leadership there. And, you know, one thing about the Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant analogy, I, I mean, Donald Trump, Kobe Bryant as an analogy kind of sort of works because they both got a ton of free media, obviously. I mean, Donald Trump, like Kobe, like Michael Jordan before him, was it was a was a global figure. I mean, by the time that Donald Trump went down that gilded escalator in the summer of 2015 for the first time, his name was already universally recognized mm -hmm. there. So the cameras are already going to go to him there. So, you know, DeSantis is passing the most transformative right wing agenda in these United States. I mean, the legislative session that just finished in Florida earlier this year, Dave, that the three of us lived through was absolutely dynamic. I mean, I follow this stuff closely. I don't know if I can think of another state legislative session that passed so much based awesome stuff. I mean, for lack of a better way of describing <laughs> it, across the entirety of the political, social, and cultural spectrum there. But unfortunately, slow and steady sometimes, you know, doesn't necessarily attract the cameras the way that Kobe Bryant or perhaps Donald J. Trump does. Carol, would you like to use a different late 90s NBA basketball player instead well, of Tim Duncan? I, you know, I, I think that the the moment, obviously, people love the show, people love the excitement. And, and if I'm giving advice to you, Dave Rubin, it would be to clip that what Josh just said and run it across the internet like Lib Josh Hammer loves Bill Clinton. And you're going to get a <laughs> And, you know, that's the path that we should go on if we're going to follow this disastrous everything is a show path. Um, again, it's a free suggestion for you, but I, it's going to, you know, millions of views coming up. I leave that to the people of the internet to clip it as they see fit. Let's just jump into the one other topic because apparently they're at least going to look into impeaching uh, Joe Biden, uh, that's McCarthy's move right here, even though they obviously don't have the Senate, so the guy's not gonna be impeached, okay, fine. Uh, but I thought more interesting than the decision to at least have this inquiry was the media's immediate reaction to this thing. Don't look at that, whatever you do, don't look over there, check out this compilation. You know, the president has been in politics for a long time, and 
I think, as he would say, he's seen a lot of malarkey along the way, but this might take the cake. This is all smoke and no fire. What a waste of time and money. I don't see any probable cause here. Uh, there's just no evidence. I have not seen any evidence. There's no evidence of any crime at all. No evidence so far that ties Joe Biden to any of this, uh, at least nothing that they have brought forward and that we have seen. Have you seen said evidence? No, not a scintilla of evidence. There is not a shred of evidence that President Joe Biden has engaged in wrongdoing. No business dealings of Hunter Biden's or anyone's was discussed in these conversations. I think they're making, making it up. There is not a shred of evidence that President Joe Biden has committed an impeachable offense. A substantial majority of Americans believe something which is not true. There is not a shred of evidence that President Joe Biden has committed a crime. You gotta have a crime. <laughs> like, you gotta have some accusation you can make. And they don't really have anything right now. I think the impeachment inquiry is absurd. I think that that's absurd. It's ridiculous, of course. This is part of the right wing's misinformation machine to try to confuse people. Distract, distort, and dissemble. Right now, we're in the distract phase. What Hunter Biden is may or may not have done does not even come close to the level of legal drama that's facing the former president of the United States. Smoke, malarkey, shred, scintilla, nothing, 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 nothing. I don't know, maybe bank accounts. How did he become a multimillionaire while as a humble public servant all these years? Why was his crackhead son working at a Ukrainian energy company? Any of, does any of this work for you people? But how about some of that evidence? I'm, I'm gonna have to read a little of the evidence for you fine people. Uh, this is from the House Oversight and Accountability Committee. Uh, Devin Archer alone was aware of at least 20 times in which then vice president spoke on speakerphone with Hunter Biden's foreign business associates. Democrats would have Americans believe that these phone calls were then vice president where uh, with then Vice President Biden were simply to discuss the weather. In February 24, uh, 2014, then Vice President Joe Biden dined with oligarchs from Russia and Kazakhstan who funneled millions of dollars to Hunter Biden and his business associates. In April 2015, then Vice President Biden dined with Hunter Biden's foreign business associates, including Ukrainian Burisma executive Vadim Poharsky. Burisma was then being investigated by Ukrainian prosecutor General Viktor Shokin for corruption. In 2015, then Vice President Biden hosted Hunter Biden and Devin Archer and other business associates at the official residence of the Vice President. The topic of discussion was filling the top seat at the United Nations. The Kazakhstani government official who wanted the UN position attended both dinners at Cafe Milano with then Vice President Biden. You know, we have a ton more here, but let's just, let's just come back to me because I think people broadly get the point. Joe Biden has repeatedly said he never discussed business with his son. Carol, what kind of father would that make him at the very least? Right, uh, a loving father who absolutely discussed business with his son. Um, what about the the text from Hunter to his sister saying, "I'm not going to make you give me give me uh, half your salary like like Pop does." Yeah. Um, how come Hunter never gets asked about any of this. How come none of them get asked about this? There's no evidence because nobody has looked for any of the evidence. Nobody has asked any of the questions that you know lead to finding the evidence. I think the things that you have presented are is evidence, but if people need more, they can simply ask questions because I've last heard that that's what journalists are supposed to do. I get that it's a Democrat, so they don't do it for them, but maybe they should start.
Right, Democrat privilege. But Josh, if they want evidence, wouldn't the simple thing, and it seems like they have it, just be looking at bank accounts, just be looking at Hunter Biden bank accounts and Joe Biden family bank accounts and go, where did all of this money come? How, how is it that Joe Biden is worth 20 or 30 or more million dollars? How did Hunter Biden with no skills get this job at this thing? On top of the fact that he's an artist, which the easiest, you know, quote unquote artist, the easiest way to money launder is have a crackhead use a crayon and then give him a shit ton of money. Pardon my French. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, as we see uh, all the time in politics, you know, these people that serve in Washington, D.C., in the swamp for 30, 40, 50 plus years in the case of Joe Biden, they somehow managed to get awfully rich off of it. You know, you know, funny how that works, right? Yeah. But part of the reason why Kevin McCarthy had to do this is that the administration has been, shall we say, less than forthcoming when it comes to trying to to suss out many of the details pertaining to these overseas dealings. As but one example of that, Carol's own publication, the New York Post, it was two or three weeks ago, they reported that the National Archives has been refusing to turn over over five thousand emails that Joe Biden allegedly was CC'd on or sent using a pseudonym. And, you know, a, a House Oversight Chair James Comer of Kentucky had previously already shown that there was a pseudonym. Uh, it was kind of a long email that, that mm -hmm. Joe Biden was sending to people implicating this Ukrainian stuff. Earlier this summer, Chuck Grassley, who's not exactly kind of, you, you know, an, a strapping kind of up and coming kind of <laughs> ultra populist figure. The man is literally <laughs> turning 90 years old, I think, in like two or three days, actually. Yeah, He's about to turn yeah. 90. You know, he came forward with, with, with a lightly redacted FBI form FD-1023 that had allegations of Burisma. Founder Mikola Zlochevsky talking about the firing of this corrupt prosecutor, Victor Shokin, and the $5 million payment to the. I mean, it, it all stinks to high heaven here. So, yeah. at a bare minimum, given the fact the administration is kind of gumming up the works and putting these various kind of mechanical log jams in place, you kind of have to get the apex of your impeachment or subpoena power to try to figure out what the heck is going on there. So uh, there's plenty, plenty, plenty of fire, I think, at this point to substantiate that smoke. I guess we'll see how it plays out. But Josh, Josh, all that said, Joe <laughs> has repeatedly said he never discussed anything with Hunter. Never discussed with my son or my brother or anyone else anything having to do with their businesses, period. I did anything wrong. And uh, I didn't realize he was on the board till after was after he had been on the board. And at the same time, he has come forward and said it was a mistake on his part to be on the board. I don't know what he was doing. I know he was on the board. I found out he was on the board after he was on the board. And that was it. The fact is, I was unaware of his investments until it occurred. And I've never discussed what my son's business with him because I didn't want any conflict. Well, I don't discuss business with my son. I didn't know that was the case. I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business. I've never discussed my business or their business, my sons or daughters, and I've never discussed them. That's, of course, just a small portion of these type of clips. My favorite one is the first one because he's also, this also implicates his brothers in this. And when he's like, I've never discussed business with my son or my brothers. The first thing you say when you're at a family thing and then someone, your brother walks in, you're going, how's work? How's work? So he, but he's just never. Carol, it's it's so bananas that he'll yeah. he'll get off scot free, right? Because it's like it's just so obvious. Right, and I mean I, that all seemed like evidence to me for all the no scintilla of evidence. That all is evidence that he is engaged in shady dealings with Hunter. Um, no, I I don't I don't see this leading anywhere either. I I mean it's it's 
tough being so negative on our whole justice system, but I just don't see them going after a Democrat as president. Um, and so I, I don't think that anything's going to happen here. I don't think Hunter's going to go to prison. I don't think Biden's going to be impeached. I don't think, you know, it, it's kind of a, a tough time um, to believe in a lot of things. And yeah. this is definitely one of them. What do you guys think of McCarthy's move here? Because I'm with you on that, Carol, just from a media perspective, and obviously they don't have the Senate, so he's not gonna be impeached. To me, I think you can argue it either way. Like, I think you can argue there's a reason to impeach, to go for the inquiry, because it at least shines a light on this so that instead of it just being discussed on shows like this and on Twitter, mainstream media kind of has to cover it because there's an actual impeachment inquiry. So that strikes me as good. But I also think you can argue it the other way, which is most people are just gonna think this is ginned up nonsense because they're so brainwashed. And this will actually get him a sympathy vote. You see, they're even going after the old man. What do you, what do you think about that, Josh? So I support it. I do. I, I mean, for multiple reasons. One is kind of as we just discussed, I think the administration has been genuinely less than forthcoming when it comes to the House Oversight Committee and the various other mechanisms that House Republicans have already tried to try to figure out the extent to which Joe Biden was knowledgeable about and the extent to which he was involved in Hunter's overseas dealings. The other reason, kind of just putting on my political analyst cap for a second here is, you know, as we discussed earlier in the show, we're in the midst of, of a vicious Republican presidential primary and the party is going to be less than fully unified, I think, when we ultimately emerge from this, whoever the nominee is, come summer 2024. And I do think that shining a spotlight on the villainous nature of our political foes, the Biden crime family, all of that, mm. I do think that's probably going to drum up some sense of unity among the Republican base. And that is ultimately what I come back to as far as kind of just the political optics of this. I dig it. I dig it. Carol, bring us home. Um, yeah, I'm with Josh. I, I think that things are, uh, you know, we need to do it, but things are going to be very tough to proceed from here. Um, I, I, I don't entirely agree with the point where um, people will think, oh, look what they're doing to the old man. I, I think people understand that an impeachment inquiry is a serious thing. I mean, just the, the word impeachment, um, I, I think will resonate with people. And um, I'm glad the Re Republicans are pursuing it. I would have loved to see it go. So I would love to see it go somewhere. That's the only part I have some doubts about. Carol. Josh, enjoy your apples and honey this weekend. And uh, if everybody wants to join us for the post-game show, you can comment on Carol's dress and Josh's jacket and all sorts of stuff. Join us at rubenreport.locals.com in just a moment. Have a great weekend, guys, and we'll see you on Monday. Thank you. Thanks. What was that like, uh, walking into the great Senate chamber at 29 years old? You know, I walked in when I was 21, and I got arrested. And they just got out of session. I walked in the back. All of a sudden, I found myself in the chamber, and I was stunned. I walked up, sat down in the presiding officer's seat. Guy grabbed me by the shoulder, said, you're under arrest. I came back. I came back from South Africa trying to see Nelson Mandela and getting arrested for trying to see him on Robbins Island. He was in prison. I had the great honor of meeting him. I had the great honor of being arrested with our U.N. ambassador on the streets of Soweto trying to get to see him on Robbins Island. Your campaign has come out since and said, no, 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 you were separated from other people at the airport. But you did say arrest three yeah. times. What, why? I okay. said arrested. I meant I was not able to, I was not able to move. Cops, Alfred Connors would not let me go with them, made me stay where I was. I guess I, I wasn't arrested. I was stopped. I did not live the struggles of Douglas. Tubman, King, Lewis, Goodman, Cheney, Swerner, countless others, known and unknown. I did not walk in the shoes of generations of students who walked these grounds. 
but I walk other grounds. Hey, you think I'm kidding, man. Seems like yesterday, the first time I got arrested anyway. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you want to connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubenreport.locals.com.